Welcome to the Exploring Unschooling podcast. I'm Pam Larickia, longtime unschooling mom and author. Join me and my wonderful guests for interviews, information, and inspiration about unschooling and living joyfully with your family. You can find the episode show notes, your free introductory ebook, What is Unschooling?, and lots more information at livingjoyfully.ca. And here's the show. Hi, everyone. I'm Pam Larickia, and this is episode number 110 of the podcast. It's the 7th of February, 2018, as I record this intro. And my guest this week is Alan Marshall. Alan's an unschooling dad, a professional musician, and a university professor in the music department. We dive into his family's journey to unschooling, his eldest's transition to junior high, ways to approach music lessons and practice, advice for dads just starting out with unschooling, and lots more. As a personal update this week, it's been pretty relaxed around here. We've had two pretty big snows, so some shoveling has been in order, which I find quite peaceful. And it was my birthday a few days ago, 52. I'm going to own that. (laughs) It was a lovely day. And another nice thing about February is that I can say it's spring next month. (laughs) Yay. (laughs) And a huge thank you to everyone who has chosen to support the show on Patreon. And a big welcome to new patron Heidi Warminghouse. I deeply appreciate all my patrons and their generous support, helping me share unschooling information and inspiration with anyone who wants to explore the fascinating world of unschooling. If you'd like to support the show, even for as little as a dollar a month, check out the Exploring Unschooling page at patreon.com. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com forward slash exploring unschooling. And this week's quote is from Alan. Actually, I would discourage particularly someone starting to do music and most other arts, from doing practice. I would say, don't practice. And really, I think the problem is formal practice, like I'm going to sit down now and I'm going to practice the piano for an hour because it's my practice time. Because I think that just doing that is pretty doomed to be counterproductive. In my opinion, as a musician and somebody who wants to help people who want to learn about music, That has discouraged a lot more music making than it's helped. I really loved his point that it's better to do than to practice. If a child wants to be involved in music or other performance-based arts, better to get involved in the doing first, in the joy of it. Thinking of an activity as practice adds a layer of separation from actually doing the thing. And lessons may at some point naturally weave into the picture. I thought it was such a fresh way to look at helping our children pursue the activities that engage them. And Alan shares some great examples in our conversation. So let's get started. Hi, everyone. I'm Pam Larickia from livingjoyfully.ca. And today I'm here with Alan Marshall. Hi, Alan. Hello. Hello. Uh, Alan is an unschooling dad, a professional musician, and a university professor. I've come across him online, and I'm really excited to get to chat with him in person. To get us started, can you share with us a bit about you and your family? Uh, Sure. Um, My wife, uh, Melody, and I were both musicians, and uh, we have three kids. Uh, Our oldest uh, daughter is Addie. Our middle daughter is Kate, and our youngest son uh, is Gabriel. They're 14, 9, and 5 years old. Uh, and We've been uh, unschooling from the very beginning. We uh, started learning about the principles of unschooling uh, back uh, when our oldest, Addie, was first born. Um, and we, we did a lot of research uh, at that time. Uh, and decided that we would unschool when she became school age. So um, all of our children started unschooling from the beginning of when they would have gone to school, which is a, uh, in here where we live. Uh, we live in Oklahoma, is age five. Uh, we live in Oklahoma in the U.S., yeah. in, a, in a small community, fairly small community in southeastern Oklahoma, uh, Ada, Oklahoma. Huh. 
So how you you uh, came across unschooling uh, when she was your first child was born around there? I'm always curious as to where around people actually like hear it. Just, yes, just a few months old. Uh, I had uh, thought about the idea of homeschooling. Mm-hmm. And so started to do some research online with the idea that we might homeschool. And before too long, came across a lot of resources about unschooling and found that really appealing. So got a lot of information uh, when our oldest was very young um, and started to apply the principles of unschooling um, very early, um, you know, for all intents and purposes from birth Mm-hmm. Uh, in terms of, uh, you know, the sleep times and sleep patterns and um, baby wearing and uh, unlimited nursing. And so um, that's something that's been part of how we parent it from the very beginning. Yeah, that's wonderful. And so when school age kind of came, your days really didn't change at all, did they? No, they didn't at all. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, we, where we live in Oklahoma, uh, the legal requirements for homeschooling are uh, very easy. Uh, you literally don't have to do anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, you just don't ever sign up for school, and there's no other requirements. Um, so uh, for us, uh, there was really no change that came when, when they became school age. And now you guys have been unschooling for almost a decade, right? So I was, Uh, is it about that long? Yeah, right on 10, right on 10 years. (laughs) Yes. Oh, yay. Good math. (laughs) Our oldest became school aged in, in 08. Ah, awesome. uh, Age five here. Mm -hmm. uh, They're uh, compulsory kindergarten. They could have, she could have gone to pre-kindergarten program, but it's not required. So yeah, we start counting on age five. Yeah. So what has surprised you most so far about how unschooling has in, unfolded in your lives? Well, um, there have been a lot of common surprises um, as far as how, uh, you know, how things are for the children. Uh, you know, learning things in ways that, you know, you know that, that my wife and I grew up you know, believing, uh, you know, sort of tacitly aren't possible, like mm-hmm. learning to read in a week. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's the thing. <laughs> um, you know, um, with our oldest daughter, uh, something that was really surprising for me, uh, even after doing research and understanding the principles behind it, uh, the fact that my daughter just decided to set her own bedtime at a certain point at a very early age without being, you know, coerced or told or even having a mention to her, really. Um, you know, it was, you know, my point of view before was that that was just not on the list of possibilities. Mm-hmm. But, you know, starting about age seven-ish, seven or eight or so, she just decided she wanted to go to bed about nine o'clock every night and to wake up about six in the morning every morning. And that's what she still does all the time today. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the the common point of view is that that's really not possible, that if you, you know, if you just let somebody, a child, stay up as long as they want, they'll stay up late all the time. Yeah, yeah. For their entire life and then, you know, sleep in unless they're given a reason not to. But for and for some people, maybe that's true. But for her, she prefers to go to bed early and wake up early. Uh, there, there were some humorous times we had early on where we would ask if she might be willing to stay up a little later so that we would, so that we wouldn't have to get up quite so early in the morning <laughs> back then we would need to get up with her when it was, when we needed to be up with her to be safe. Mm-hmm. If, you know, we had the inconvenience of needing to get up at six in the morning with her, uh, either my wife or I, yeah. because that's what she heard. <laughs> <laughs> It's so fun to see how they explore just all their choices, right? All their options and, and find what is unique to them. I always love hearing about all the different kids because they've all hit on things that, like you said, you totally unexpected, but they work so well for the individual, don't they? Yeah. And it ended up working great for, you know, how she, what she prefers to do and kind of how she, um, her priorities, 
it works perfectly for her. Um, I'm kind of a night owl, so it doesn't always work great for me, but um, <laughs> we work we work that out. Um, and you you had asked what was surprising. Uh, something else I think is surprising uh, and continues to kind of surprise me is how kind of how deep uh, schoolish thinking and schoolish uh, thoughts uh, kind of run. Uh, you know, for, for us as the parents, you know, mm-hmm. I still find myself, you know, about the time that I think that I really understand and really have it all down and, you know, feel like I know how unschooling should work. Um, and it's good. And it's good. I have some confidence about it having done it for a long time, but I always discover a new schoolish thought or, you know, hear my father speaking you know, mm. hear my father's words coming out of my mouth. Yeah. <laughs> inadvertently and, and have to, you know, uh, rededicate myself to thinking differently, uh, and to, and to doing things differently. Um, and again, you know, uh, intellectually, I knew that that would probably be the case from having thought about it and read about it for a long time, but then something like that will happen. And, uh, it's a surprise. <laughs> Like yes, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> indeed. But, I say, you know, <laughs> that's it's such a great in. point. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You don't you don't realize it's like it's just buried there, buried really deep inside, and then you know yes. things happen, things happen, and then all of a sudden that's been chipped free and out it pops, right? Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's that's. I know, like you said, you can realize it intellectually. I, I think. Something that's been helpful is is to also be be nice to myself when that happens. You know what I mean? Like you yeah. you need to work on it and everything, but not beat yourself up because that gets in the way of moving through it, doesn't it? That that just adds yet another layer you have to work through. Oh yeah, absolutely. I, just, I don't think it's really helpful to you know feel like it's not a big deal, mm-hmm. like. Yeah. You know, all parents are like that. That's just the way it's meant to be. That's exactly. not good. But also it's not good to be, you know, to be so down on yourself that you made a mistake that you don't have the, you know, you're not an emotional, uh, you don't have the emotional, you know, ability to correct the mistake to do better next time. Yeah. That, yeah. Because so you're not like throwing up your hands. It will get you to that yeah, same point yeah. where it's like you throw up your hands. I can't do any better. And this is just the way <laughs> That's it just is. The way right? it is. <laughs> Cause yeah. Like you said, it's amazing what you can find down there. That's like, wow. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Um, my, my oldest is, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh no, you go ahead. I was just going to say my oldest is 14. So mm-hmm. puberty and the teenage years have, recently brought up some of those surprising, you know, mm-hmm. oh yes, this is, <laughs> here's, here's my dad coming out. <laughs> oh, I know. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, and <laughs> it's true as they, they reach different milestones, yeah. different ages, things that you just haven't thought about in mm-hmm. this context, in un- the context of unschooling. Um, they just haven't come up for, been excavated to be thought about really so it's true so many things like well and even as young adults and there's so many um conventional messages that we've grown up with that we will encounter along the way (laughs) (laughs) so your eldest chose to go to a junior high school a couple of years ago right yeah yeah so i was wondering if you could share a bit about how she found that transition um, and whether or not you guys have found it challenging to weave school and your unschooling principles together. Uh, well, the transition for Addy has been uh, surprisingly easy mm-hmm. and positive for her. Um, I always, you know, I told a few people um, who I've talked to about it that unschooling was the perfect preparation for her to go to school. Uh, because her attitude about school is just very different than any of her peers. Mm-hmm. I mean, noticeably very different. And the, you know, and if you go to talk to her teachers, 
the, I mean, to, to meet a teacher and, and have them talk, talk about a student who wants to be there yeah. is really <laughs> eye-opening. I mean, the, just the excitement they feel to be able to have her uh, there because she, she truly wants to be there. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a decision that she made, you know, on her own, that this was what she wanted to do. Uh, and she has been, you know, by any measure successful so far in doing that. Um, you know, you know, according, you know, according to, you know, it's been a positive experience for her, but also the feedback we get from people at the school is that she's, you know, wonderful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> that she's great. And, um, and I think that's because she has a choice. Yeah. It's, she wants to do it. Um, and this was something that, she, you know, we made a careful decision about. It was actually a few years between when she first started expressing an interest in it. Uh, we explored it then, and then we, you know, took some time to really help her understand what it is, you know, and to be sure that was really the choice she, she wanted to make, that she really understood what the, what would be expected of her. Uh, and, you know, that she had all the information that she, you know, <laughs> and that she didn't mm -hmm. have any misinformation about what school was like, uh, where she might be surprised by things that might not be what she was really wanting. Uh, but it turns out for her, I think she's pretty rare, but for her, it's exactly what she wants. Mm -hmm. She wants to learn in that environment. Uh, she's, she really likes structure. Mm -hmm. So she thrives on the you know, the rules and the structure. Um, for her, it's really something that, you know, she enjoys. Mm -hmm. And because she could stop at any time, <laughs> I think that makes it easier for her to, you know, submit herself to that structure. Absolutely. Because She's got choice, right? Yeah, there's no doubt in her mind that if she ever decided that she didn't want to do that, she immediately could stop doing it. Uh, and then, Really, I mean, that makes all the difference. And to experience that with somebody that I, you know, I'm close to and know, it's really uh, a revelation. Um, you know, even <laughs> like I said, even for me, uh, it was a surprise. Mm -hmm. uh, and she's caught up uh, in school in, you know, what would seem like, you know, record time. Like, <laughs> like when she first went to, went to school, she couldn't write at all. Mm -hmm. Like she had literally never written, you know, uh, anything more than her name. And it was just it, literally just a few weeks and she was writing like Oliver Peters can. Mm -hmm. uh, and she's taking algebra this year. Um, you know, she's, she's essentially, she kind of had a little help with math her mm -hmm. first year kind of individual tutoring a little bit mm -hmm. and then now she's taking algebra and she, actually i remember just a few days ago she asked me to help her with some homework uh because i was good at math in school so i'm kind of the math parent mm -hmm. <laughs> uh <laughs> you know go ask your father he knows about <laughs> math. and she was she was doing some sort of mongolian algebra thing i'd never heard of I was like, oh, I'm sorry. I, I don't know if I can really help you with this. When I was in school, I didn't really do this. So I kind of have to. And so she taught me how to do it. <laughs> uh, and, you know, she's doing the equations and stuff. And she's, well, you just do it like this. Um, so she's completely, you know, caught up. That There was no effect of her not going to school mm -hmm. uh, that I know of, that I can think of or have heard about, um, you know. A few weeks, a few months, and she's just like any of other peers, mm -hmm. um, which, of course, you hear about quite often, right? What you learn, particularly in the early years of school, you know, you can learn in a few months if you want to. Yeah. And she needed to, so she learned it. Exactly. So, and so did she do much preparation? Um, she didn't do school any preparation. Yeah. Yeah. Just wanted no. to get that out she, there. <laughs> yeah. She, she, I mean, literally nothing. She, she's a late reader and she learned to read not because she was planning to go to school, but because she got a phone. Ah. So she learned to read a few months before she went to school, uh, 
just because she had exposure to write to uh, letters and words kind of visually. Mm -hmm. She would like kind of look up how to spell things on her phone. Yeah. And uh, that went on for um, maybe three weeks or so when she could read. Uh, so I guess you could say she prepared by learning to read, but she, she wasn't thinking, <laughs> I've got to learn to read so I can go to school. She was thinking, well, I won't be able to read my phone. So she just exactly. did it. Exactly. A reason. Personal reason. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and so how have uh, you and Melody found weaving that schedule into your lives and those kinds of I, I would assume you don't bring a lot of the school's expectations um, into so, uh, the bigger picture, right? Because this is her choice. No. She's doing it. And yeah, absolutely. that's kind of the end of it, right? Yeah. Um, and really, I try to avoid kind of knowing what her grades are or mm -hmm. just because I don't want I don't want the, that kind of schoolish thinking to yeah. kind of invade my attitudes. You, you know, so I, I just try to keep myself kind of ignorant of all that uh, sort of thing. Um, but I mean, there've been some minor inconveniences of scheduling and, you know, getting her place. She rides the bus. So she's, she's at school by the, before I wake up in the morning. <laughs> so I'm in the afternoon. <laughs> so uh, in many ways, you know, it's, I'm unaware of most of it. Um, another impressive thing about what she's done to, you know, do go to school, decide that she wants to school, she has, you know, com completely done it independently. You know, she makes her own lunch. She gets herself up. She goes to the bus. She's responsible. She's just taken responsibility for everything she needs to do to do it. Mm -hmm. um, just because in her world, that's how you do it. And, you know, it just didn't occur to her to do anything other than to do whatever she needed to do to do this thing that she wanted to, that was important to her. Mm -hmm. So that's that in a lot of, in a lot of ways because of her and because of her initiative, it hasn't been too much of a inconvenience or uh, hasn't interfered uh, very much at all with what we want to do with our other children who are still unschooling. Mm -hmm. uh, she just leaves in the morning and comes back in the afternoon and joins us when she gets home and everything's as, is as it was before. Uh, so, Again, I think we're fortunate with the way things are structured here where we live um, that there's not a lot of, you know, uh, expectations on parents who have children in school that are, you know, what, what we might think of as unreasonable or kind of getting in the way or being heavy handed. Uh, and we're, you know, we try to be involved in an appropriate way. Mm -hmm. Go talk, go talk to the teachers and, uh, you know show our interest and, and support her. So, you know, we're not keeping it at arm's length yeah. or anything like that, but we don't have a lot of pressure on us to do certain things or do, you know, uh, it, there've been some minor expenses <laughs> involved with, <laughs> as you would expect. But <laughs> yeah. No, that's cool. That's and that's such a great point to um, be supportive and keep be supportive of her and as involved as she'd like you to be without that tipping over into expectations, which is, is, you know, one of the reasons why you don't really, you aren't interested in seeing the grades and stuff like that, because you don't want, you're being careful not to tip over into um, having expectations or even, I guess, um, letting it play with your, your mind, I guess, as in, you know, uh, it's just easy to think of, oh, you know, good grades and that's wonderful or bad grades. Uh oh, you know what I mean? That it, yeah. it can affect your interactions. Yeah. And I just, I can see myself for me, the danger would be that I'd be all proud. Yeah. If she got A's or something. Yeah. And the, and the, the impact that that could have on, you know, then if I'm really proud and if I'm, sort of being effusive about that. And then at some point she doesn't get A's mm -hmm. or something, then what, what message is that sending? Yeah. That that's what's important. Uh, and I, it would probably be subtle. I probably wouldn't be obvious about it because I'm an unschooler, but, <laughs> but you know, <laughs> there could know. be some subtle message sent there. I know. I, uh, 
even, you know, even not school wise, like other things that um, my kids choose to do, I am careful to be excited for them and they're how as excited as they are for their accomplishment. Like, because once you get into that, oh, I'm proud of you for, for whatever it is, it kind of becomes about us. And then you're right, exactly the next time, if it doesn't work out so well, then then you're stuck, right? Because then you've yeah. set yourself up for that judgment because it feels like a judgment when it's coming from you rather than the support and excitement for them having accomplished whatever it is they were wanting to accomplish. It's a subtle yeah, but exactly. really important difference, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, now I wanted to uh, dive into your experience as a professor teaching music because music is um, another area that I think it's really interesting to think of how we might bring in unschooling context to that. Um, yeah. So, for example, there was uh, – I came up with a couple examples that I know I have okay. um, seen questions about over the years, and I wanted to get your perspective on them. So, okay, okay. Uh, when a child expresses an interest in music or, or an instrument, so often the first thing that parents jump to is lessons, because so often it's not something that we are personally skilled at, right? So maybe we sign them up mm-hmm. for piano lessons or guitar lessons or violin lessons. So I was wondering in your experience uh, whether or not that's kind of the best first step when a child expresses an interest like that. Well, I I would say that it it really depends on the situation very much. Mm -hmm. Um, I I would be really hesitant to make a blanket statement like lessons are always the best thing to start with or never start with lessons. Yeah. That's – that, you know, that's a disaster <laughs> or something <laughs> or, <laughs> or that unschoolers should never, you know, have their children take lessons. Um, because I think it really depends on the interest of the child and how the child acquired that interest. Uh, it also depends on the reality of how, you know, how you can learn to play the instrument or whatever musical or artistic endeavor you're doing. Mm-hmm. I mean, if, if you get interested in playing the harp, you know, the classical harp, um, you know, that's hard. That's fairly hard to do on your own <laughs> for fun. <laughs> right. Uh, it's a very expensive instrument. It's uh, very specialized. Um, probably the best way to learn to play the harp is to find somebody who already can play the harp and have them help you. Now, that doesn't mean you have to give that person a check <laughs> and have them give formal lessons for, uh, you know, 60 minutes a week necessarily. But if you want to do something that specialized, you're probably going to have to go find somebody um, to help. Mm-hmm. Um, but the guitar, uh, you know, you can go on YouTube and even if you don't know anything about playing guitar uh, or anything about music, you know, your child can go on YouTube and get free guitar lessons 24 hours a day. Mm-hmm. And guitars are more ubiquitous and inexpensive. And, you know, um, I think we all know of people, even people who aren't unschoolers, who just learn to play the guitar for fun. Uh, and they don't necessarily need formal lessons. Uh, they might want to take formal lessons at some point, or they might, you know, become a rock star and never take a lesson in their life. Um, so... It depends a lot on each individual situation, uh, the temperament of the child or the person who's wanting to learn, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, doesn't always have to be children. <laughs> Adults yeah. can learn instruments. And, Absolutely. And, learn <laughs> uh, <laughs> and the, also the availability of lessons um, and how, you know, in your individual situation, taking lessons could be, you know, could be could involve pressure that wouldn't be helpful from the teacher maybe. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, Sometimes the culture of music education is not as helpful as it could be in some places as in other places. You know, if you can find a teacher who's willing to kind of work with your child and, and make it fun for them and not put pressure on, then lessons could be a really great experience for them. But if you're in a situation where, 
it's all, you know, practice. You have to practice five hours a day and I'm the teacher and you're the student and you're going to do what I say, you know, if they're very regimented, um, taking lessons could, you know, decrease their interest in music rather than, you know, in nurturing it. So I'm, I hate to give such a, <laughs> such a non-definite answer. Well, I got to say, yeah, it's, it's really <laughs> a non-schooling kind of answer, right? Cause it depends <laughs> on the individual. <laughs> And I'd say the what I can offer as a musician that the non-musicians may not know is how much it depends, mm-hmm. right? I mean, there's a there are a lot of variables, and if you're not yeah. a musician, you may not think about those variables. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it depends on the person too. I mean, there are people who are like, I want, I want to be a, a concert pianist someday, right? As opposed mm-hmm. to, I'd like to play, I'd like to be able to play piano for fun, sometimes. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, yeah. And there's probably more people doing it just for fun who, than people who are really serious about it. But uh, understanding, uh, there's a lot of in between too. Uh, it's on a spectrum, and understanding really what the interest is, I think maybe that might be the most important thing, is really getting into the details of what the interest exactly is. Could play the piano, or sing, or play the clarinet. That that's that's not specific enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, an understanding of the interest that the child had. Why do you want to play the clarinet? Where? What kind of music? Mm-hmm. Uh, for how long? Maybe. Even though it's okay to change your mind about that. Mm-hmm. But um, so, I would encourage getting lots of information about what your child wants, also about what the situation is and what the possibilities are. Um. The, the thing about lessons is, is that you're, you're, it's perfectly legal to stop taking them. <laughs> like, right? If it doesn't work for you, I, I would encourage making short-term arrangements at first. Like, hey, we want to try this for a couple weeks and see if it works. Uh, you know, could I just pay for a few lessons and then we'll talk about it after and see see how you know he or she likes it, um, rather than making a big long-term commitment. Yeah, I think that's a great point. And you mentioned earlier, just meshing with the culture of that teacher or that uh, uh, music school or whatever, because because um, so often I think we can latch on to, you know, that we've heard something good about it or it's the closest music school, it's the only one in town or whatever. And uh, we can try to get our child to fit into that environment right so if they tell us you know they have to practice for x amount of hours or they have to start with this book and don't skip ahead start with lesson one you know um you you think you have to it almost puts us back in a student role right and then it's like oh okay we got to do this we got to do this and all of a sudden we're pushing that on but that you really can pick and choose the environment that that meshes well with your child. And like you said, what they're looking for, are they looking to just be able to play and make some uh, music that they recognize or do they have bigger goals with it? That kind of stuff. So all those, so the conversations with them and what they're, what they're kind of seeing in the future of this interest and, and then finding the environment that meshes well with them. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and I think sometimes when something is, uh, you know, something that we're not as experienced with ourselves, mm-hmm. like if somebody's not a musician, it might be music. Yeah. Um, for others, it might be something else that they're, you know, that they don't have a lot of background in mm-hmm. that that could be a, a time for caution to not let other people tell you how it should be because they supposedly know more. Um, and sometimes musicians, I'm afraid, are a little, uh, can be a little bad about that, about, you know, using their expertise to sort of impose their view of how things should be on others. Um, you know, because you don't know about music and I do. And <laughs> so this is how it should be. I mean, how would you know? You don't even, you know, you can't even, you know, play an instrument yourself or something. And I think it helps to just have the confidence to say, you know, but I appreciate your, your expertise and, and your knowledge, uh, but 
this is this is what's going to work better for my child. So I'm going to find a situation that works best for them. That's a great point. Yeah. And and that's basically was the, the next question <laughs> oh, <okay. laughs> uh, for navigating situations, you know, when um, that conventional advice, strongly encouraging practice or, you know, do it, do it the way I, I know, you know, I have this expertise um, and tips for navigating that. Like, yes, absolutely. You, you know, your child and what your child is wanting out of the situation. And it's okay to, um, bring that with you. Right. So even though you're not the expert in guitar or piano or whatever, it's okay to say, you know what? He wants to have fun and it's okay if you, um, follow his lead. I, I know I've done that a couple of times. Um, yeah. That, you know, with karate, it's like, no, it's not a big pressure for the next belt. You know, I want him to enjoy it. It takes as long as it takes. And I remember once it was a it was a computer programming camp and there weren't many uh, students who came in the summer. And I said, you know what? Yeah. Don't don't worry about it. It doesn't uh, you know, you don't have to show me some working program at the end of the week. I said, just kind of do whatever he wants to do and have fun with it. Don't worry about showing me something at the end. But yeah, so I didn't know either one of those things in any detail, but I knew what my child was wanting out of the experience. I wanted them to enjoy the experience. For me, that was the most important thing, right? Because that's where the best learning is going to happen too. And that's where they're going to learn more about um, how they feel about whatever activity it is that they're doing. And once they then they may, maybe they're more excited and they want to continue with lessons or maybe they find this is enough for now, et cetera. But that's how I think they get a better experience with what they're um, interested in, I guess. Right. So it's an interest yeah. of theirs. And if they enjoy it, that's my goal more than whatever steps of progress uh, they have set out uh I guess to prove that they're doing their job, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Well, I suppose they're, you know, they're used to needing to provide evidence. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, to, to justify the expense. Uh, so sometimes it could be as easy as just letting them know you don't need to, you don't need to justify mm-hmm. <laughs> your work. <laughs> I'm just yeah, happy, yeah. you know, that they're having the experience and that's enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's great. So I was curious then with those two typical questions out of the way, um, how in the bigger picture you see unschooling and learning music or really any art weaving together? Um, well, I, you know, you were talking about practice mm-hmm. and, um, you know, that made me think um, about the idea of formal practice. And actually I would discourage uh, particularly somebody starting to do music or most other arts from doing practice. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I would say don't practice. <laughs> uh, and, and really the, really I think the problem is formal practice, mm-hmm. right? Like I'm going to, I'm going to sit down now and I'm going to practice the piano for an hour because it's my piano practice time. Because I think that just doing that, just starting to do that is pretty doomed to be counterproductive. Um, I think it's, I mean, in my opinion, as a musician and somebody who wants to help, you know, people who, who want to learn about music, that has, you know, discouraged a lot of more music making than it's helped. Um, that for most people, if you, if you start by, I'm going to practice an hour a day, um, even if they're motivated, even if they want to do it, uh, that's often not the best way to help them learn about music. Uh, I think it's much better to get involved in music making. Uh, and if, you're, if your child wants to be involved in music, for example, or, or any art form, um, you know, particularly something that involves performing, uh, getting involved yourself and however you can in music making with your child in some way, uh, I think, you know, 
that might be the unschooling way to do it. Not, mm-hmm. you know, whether or not you take lessons, uh, you know, you know, whether or not the child chooses to take lessons or that's the best option for them. I wouldn't just send my child off and say, go take lessons. Right. And then, mm-hmm. you know, pay our money and you've learned, you've learned your music from the lessons and we're done, but get involved with them. Um, help them find ways to create opportunities because that's what, that's what real practice is. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't know if you've heard of uh, Malcolm Gladwell's, you know, uh, thousand hour rule. 10,000 hours. Yeah. Yeah. 10,000 hours. Sorry. I wish it was a yeah. thousand. That'd be nice, yeah, I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, 10,000 hour rule. Uh, you know, you have to have 10,000 hours of practice in order to be, to master something. I don't know if that's true or not, uh, but uh, it's certainly true that practice is important. Um, and uh, you're not going to get 10,000 hours of practice sitting down and forcing yourself to do it an hour a day or even five hours a day. Right. You're going to, mm-hmm. you're going to, you're going to find ways to not really do it. If it's drudgery, Yeah, you're going to, uh, you know, and that's even if you want to do it. If somebody on the outside is forcing you to do it, forget about it. You know, whether you actually sit at the piano, you're not practicing. You're not going to practice an hour a day if you don't want to. Uh, you might tinkle around on the keyboard and seem like you're practicing so you don't get in trouble, but you're not really going to practice. But if you're involved in music making, if you're doing, if, if you're making music that you're interested in and that you want to do, that all counts as practice. Mm-hmm. Is particularly if you're doing it with other people. Oh, um, I love that. If you're just weaving it into your lives, right? Yeah. So becoming and, uh, a part of, of that experience with your child, like not sending yeah. them off to lessons, but you know, Oh, mm-hmm. even, even if it's, you know, let's sing some songs together or, you know, I'll yeah. sing while you're playing on the piano or making it just something that you're doing with them so that they're yeah. doing it, not, Oh, I have to sit for an hour and practice my scales. Right. Yeah. And I'd say if you can learn, you know, if they're, if your child's learning an instrument, you learn an instrument with them. Mm-hmm. now that may not be for everybody. Yeah. Um, you know, if <laughs> some people have, you know, uh, bad experiences with learning instruments and they really don't want to do it. So I understand that maybe that's not everybody's choice, but if you can do that, what, what could be greater, you know, let's, I'll learn to, I'll learn to play the violin too. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cause I've always wanted to. And then maybe someday we can play some violin duets together. Uh, so, you know, the ideal is that you're, you know, actually physically there doing it with them. But if that's not possible, you could, you know, find them opportunities, help, help find, groups they can play in, you know, sing in a choir or play with a, you know, play with a band or an orchestra. Um, and you can, you know, some community bands and choirs and orchestras, you know, they'll, mm-hmm. they take you and your child, uh, maybe, uh, if you can, right. If you play, yeah. if you don't, that's okay too. Um, and then, you know, often if you're doing that, then lessons come up naturally, right? Like, you know, I want to be able to, Oh, I want to be able to do this and I can't, uh, you know, could I take, you know, could I, could I take some lessons so that somebody can help me be able to do, do this better? Cause now I'm really interested in it. And I think mm-hmm. often that's a better way to get to lessons than I've always wanted to play this instrument. I'm going to go take lessons to start the, the very first thing to do. Yeah. Again, I don't want to say that, you know, that's never okay. Uh, because uh, actually my daughter wanted to learn to play the flute and she, I mean, she literally said, I want to take flute lessons. <laughs> First time she played the flute was at her lesson. Um, yeah. but again, that was a very specific situation. She had a very definite idea of what she wanted to do and how she wanted to do it. But she loves, my daughter loves to sing, um, she kind of inherited that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> my wife and I are both professional singers, but she, she wanted to sing and, you know, it was really because we're, you know, a musical family. It was sort of part of the background always, Yeah. but yeah. she just started singing with us on in choir, you know, in church choir mm-hmm. uh, and just started, you know, um, 
she started doing perform little performances. She'd learn a song and then she'd find a way to perform it. Mm-hmm. And then after she'd done that for, you know, a good three or four years in various ways, starting very, you know, small, very occasionally, and then doing it more and more, then she decided she wanted to take voice lessons mm-hmm. as, a, as a continuation. So, in you know, it can happen both ways, but in both cases, you know, we're, we're with our daughter making music almost every day. Um, and it's not just musical families that can do that. Yeah. For anything, you can find a way to do that. And to me that for the arts, for anything, that's the, the unschooling principle that could be the most valuable. And it leads to, you know, it will eventually, if your child's interested, lead to that, you know, traditional result that you're looking for, that the child can play the instrument is, and gets a, you know, wins a contest or something. Um, <laughs> <laughs> eventually something like that will happen. But if that's what you're, aim- if you just aim for that from the very beginning, you know, less likely to happen and less, less, much less fun along the way. Yeah, because that's so true. You know, when you've got um, a, a goal, like something that you want to accomplish, um, it's just more intrinsically motivating to get there when when it's not, you know, something that's 10,000 steps away. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like something that is achievable. It's on you know, kind of like on your edge of the edge of your competence. So you need to learn to get there. So you're motivated. Um, but it's something that you you want to do. Right. So you'll pick up uh, the instrument or or the art or whatever it is and do it when you've got a free moment because you want to. Right. Cause that's so rather than I need to do this for an hour because someday I want to be able to do X. No, <laughs> if you're excited to get to that step that you can just see really close, really close, you get, you just, whenever you have a moment, like, uh, Michael, he's, he's somebody who wanted to learn the guitar and he has learned them um, through YouTube. And, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I sit in the other room and he's playing and I don't know whether he's playing music or, or he's literally playing it himself, you know? So that, that has been uh, a good experience for him. He, he knows uh, he actually, we went into the local music store a couple of years ago now, cause he'd finally got to a, a place where he wanted his own guitar. We had had a couple lying around, but now he, knew what kind he wanted and he went and he tried out a whole bunch of them and he talked to the guy for an hour and had a grand old time picking his own guitar. But, you know, he comes home from work and he gets home 1130, 12 at night and I wake up and hear him playing, you know, because this is when he has the time and he's motivated and he enjoys it and he picks it up when whenever he's got the time rather than, you know, there's just something when someone tells you you have to do something <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that 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 you resist, isn't it? You know, instead of that hour, it's like, oh, when I find I have a moment, oh, I'm excited to dive into that. It's just a, a different mindset. And uh, I don't think anybody has ever, you know, become truly a master at something or really great at something or achieve something, uh, you know, remarkable as in, in music mm-hmm. or in any field. Um, by forcing themselves to be interested in it. Yeah. You, you, you don't practice, you know, 10,000 hours or whatever it is uh, in order to become interested in oh, being yeah. a musician. You practice the 10,000 hours because you're interested. That's a great and, point. Yeah. And, you know, there's, there's a lot of evidence that a lot of, talent that people have actually comes from that intense interest in practice that people who are really talented are really just so interested in it that they practice more than anyone else. Mm -hmm. Uh, But to them, it doesn't seem like practice. So it comes naturally. So yeah, they're just doing it, right? Yeah. It seems like an amazing talent. Uh, (laughs) And it's not, not necessarily that you couldn't have that talent too. It's just that you aren't that interested. Mm-hmm. You're doing something else that you're talented at. Exactly. 
Yeah, and and it comes that comes back to choice again, right? Mm-hmm. Making oh yeah, choices. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, I, I, last. Oh, go ahead. Oh, okay. I was just gonna say, uh, I I just wouldn't want anyone to feel like in order to, you know, have a child be really interested in music and want to do music that they have to be from a musical family or they have to have mm-hmm. sort of the genetic background of music, being a good musician. Um, that can be one way to get interested in music, but, uh, you know, your child, if you let your child could be a great musician, even if you're not, it's possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you just have to let them decide for themselves whether you know, to discover whether they have that gift and also whether they want to pursue that gift. And it's okay if they don't, um, yeah. but just don't assume it can't be done just because it's not you. And you know something I've found um, through unschooling, because it, it, what you were saying there reminded me of, of your point, you know, if your child is interested to um, in supporting that, support it as much as you can and and if you can get involved in it even even better right i have learned and found an interest in so many things that i did not know i would enjoy before uh before having kids and before being introduced to it by them and then all of a sudden it's like wow this is fun and yes, I'd love to do this with you, etc. You know, so e- like you said, even if you're not musical, you don't think um, you could be musical. When you keep that open mind and and support and try and engage with your child in anything that they're interested in, you may be surprised at all the interesting things that are out there in the world. You may find yourself enjoying, um, mm-hmm. maybe not you know, dedicated as much to learning that particular instrument or, or even a instrument, but you will, I bet you'll find so many interesting things just within the music or, or, or something. But when you keep an open mind, our kids introduce us to so many fascinating things that we wouldn't have ever imagined we'd be interested in. Have you found that? (laughs) (laughs) Um, yes. Um, For me, uh, my youngest son is, he's, he's only five years old, but mm-hmm. he's really interested in kind of boy things, mm-hmm. trucks and guns. So <laughs> I've recently, and that's something I've never, I've always been a music nerd and not been interested yep. in those sorts of things my whole life. But now I'm starting to kind of, you know, explore that side of myself, which I didn't really know existed just mm-hmm. by, you know, just video games. I've never played a video yep. game in my life. I'm kind of helping him play his video games, um, you know, just just in the natural course of just helping him be able to do what he wants to do. I'm sort of having some different experiences, so it'll be fun to find out if that continues. Yeah, uh, our children expand our world so much. I think. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now we'll get to that last question. <laughs> I thought it would be. Oh, no, no. That was a great point. (laughs) Um, As an unschooling dad, I was just wondering what piece of advice you would like to share with other dads who maybe are considering unschooling or are just starting out on this journey. Um, For me, um, the thing that I've had to try to be conscious of the most. And I think this is related to my gender. Mm-hmm. I'm, I mean, as far as I can tell, as you know, uh, <laughs> to the extent I'm self-aware, <laughs> it seems like this might be gender related is, uh, I have to really think about being involved kind of day to day, moment to moment with my kids. Mm-hmm. Um, because uh, this may not be something that all men share, but I, I think there's, in my my example growing up was sort of that the male parent was kind of at maybe a little bit at a distance, uh, mm-hmm. kind of didn't do the the day to day nitty gritty work of parenting uh, always, and you know that's not necessarily because of traditional gender roles only, right? Sometimes it can be more subtle than that. Like I'm I'm often the stay at home parent. My uh, my wife and I. 
uh, kind of switch off. We both work, uh, but she works more than I do. So, you know, uh, I would be considered the stay at home parent if you had to, you know, name one of us as a stay at home parent. But even though I'm the one actually at home often, uh, kind of reversing that gender, traditional gender role, still there's this more subtle kind of, you know, male gender role idea of you kids play and I'll go do my adult stuff over do here. Do my thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I don't know, for me, I've just, I've just found that I really need to be aware of that and to make a, you know, to make a conscious decision. I'm going to do this a little differently than was shown to me when I was younger or maybe what the cultural expectations might still be, even though I'm not a traditional dad. Um, I need to, you know, in the moment, in that actual time where I'm interacting with my children, I need to decide I'm not going to be the traditional male parent. Uh, I'm going to be playful. I'm going to joke around. I'm going to, you know, wrestle. (laughs) I'm (laughs) going to do guy stuff with my son, um, even though that's not my immediate natural inclination. Uh, So, you know, that's what occurs to me that might be helpful to talk about with other men is to maybe be aware of that tendency, you know, whether you're a traditional sort of breadwinner and you, you know, you come home in the evening and you see your children, or even if you are a stay at home dad, uh, and you, you know, you're the primary caregiver still that might be going on. That dynamic might be there. And so I I just think that's something that might be worth considering. And have you found, yeah, no, that's a, that's a great point. The, um, and, the tendency to, especially, you know, if our kids are occupied and they're doing things, the, you know, the tendency to pull back and do our own things. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, there's just so much we get out of that connection when we do engage with them, isn't there? Like, so you're finding that to be a positive experience, right? <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yeah. 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 I mean, <laughs> uh, yeah, I wouldn't want to, you know, like force myself to do it in sort of a negative way. Like I'm, mm. I've got to go play with the kids now so that I can be a good unschooler. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, that's not an attitude that would be helpful at all, I don't think. More just, you know, when the opportunity arises, really, di- really engage, really dig in, kind of, um, you know, go out of your comfort zone a little. Um, and also, uh, you know, use... Use your partner as an example. Um, my wife is sort of, she's always been great with kids. So she sort of, you know, is silly with small children to kind of, you know, make just sort of make interacting with them fun. And I've kind of learned from her, you know, mm-hmm. if I can, you know, just be, just be silly, kind of make a joke or, or kind of make things into a game, I can sort of get things going so that, yeah. so that some interaction and then you get something out of that. Um, so observing, you know, m- moms, <laughs> particularly mm-hmm. my wife, uh, and kind of learning, uh, you know, a different way of doing things might be a little different than what I'm used to, but not, not ever, you know, really avoid having to be sort of in a resentful way where it's, a, where it's sort of a, you know, a job like yeah. you, <laughs> I'm required to do this much interaction with the kids because <laughs> in order to be you know, a good modern dad, I must do, you know, <laughs> <laughs> Back to ticking off those boxes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't think that would be uh, helpful. But, exactly. uh, but the time you do spend with them, just kind of expand your idea of what that means a little bit. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's such a great point, Alan. I'm really glad you brought that up. Yeah. And I want to thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me today. I really appreciate it especially, you know, your perspective on music and lessons. And, you know, it. I always love hearing about other families on the unschooling experiences. So thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks for uh, asking me. Oh, yeah. No, that was wonderful. And before we go, where's the best place for people to connect with you online? Um, Facebook is um, the best, easiest place to find me. Uh, Alan Marshall. Uh, A-L-A-N, Marshall. Uh, and I'm on um, uh, Sandra's Facebook group, uh, Unschooling Info. Radical Unschooling Info? Okay. Radical Unschooling Info. So um, 
I don't have a website, I'm afraid. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, no problem. I will put those links in the show notes. Thank you very much. Have a wonderful day. You too. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening. I hope you found it helpful. You might also like the backlist episodes at livingjoyfully.ca forward slash podcast. While you're there, be sure to check out the first book in my Living Joyfully with Unschooling series, Free to Learn, Five Ideas for a Joyful Unschooling Life. In it, I share the five paradigm-changing ideas that most help me better understand unschooling. Reviewers have said, A quick read, but packed with ideas that challenge the dominant paradigm of our failing approach to learning, this little gem makes an excellent argument for unschooling. And... I was rather doubtful about this book, as I had never heard of the author, but after reading it, I wish that I had read it years ago. I hope you find it helpful too. Free to Learn has also been translated into French and Spanish. Until next time, have fun living and learning with your family.